I'm Arie Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today is March 30th. The talk around town is a little thing called the NCAA Tournament, a.k.a. March Madness. This episode, we're talking March Madness for the WNBA fan. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com are you looking to get tickets for the upcoming WNBA season thanks to our sponsor tick pick you don't have to worry the original no fee ticket site and official ticketing partner of the WNBA champions chicago sky use the link www tickpick.com backslash windsider for all your upcoming ticket purchases for the WNBA, NFL, NBA, or any other event. That's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com backslash windsider. Okay, WNBA fans, you're probably also an NCAA fan, uh, but if you're like me, you don't know much. Or maybe you're a WNBA fan who comes time for the Final Four and the championship, and you're like, all right, I should probably tune into this because this is the next wave of WNBA talent. Well, that's the boat I'm in. So who better to educate us all, to drop some truth and knowledge bombs on us all, other than the elite basketball mind of Rachel Galligan. And this episode is especially fun for me. It's a little bit different. I get to have a glass of wine with me and just ask questions to Rachel and put her on the hot seat. Oh, that sounds like fun. Great. <laughs> how you doing, Rachel? How's, how's your tournament bracket going? Mine is not well. Um, you know, I, I filled out a few of them and I mixed it up each and every time. Full disclosure, I haven't I haven't checked. I'm way out on the Just Women Sports one. The Windsider one, I need to I need to go back and double check what I had done. Um, one of them, I'm pretty sure I got all four correct in the final four. So at least at least I got that going for me. But yeah, I don't think it went well. The upsets that I thought might happen, some of them didn't, and yeah. Yeah, it happens. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I base, I, I ask you a few questions, but I mostly base it on like my childhood, or like if any team has a random connection to me. For instance, NC State. My uncle-in-law is a horticulture professor there, um, and so obviously I was riding with NC State, and I was like, you know what? If there's ever gonna be a time that they're gonna beat UConn, um, I figured it would be this year. So watching that double overtime Man, thriller was quite you. upsetting because the because I was texting you I was like Rachel I expected you kind of win but like to the same degree I very much am like a man of the odds right mm-hmm. like I'll I'll even I'll tell my friends when they're betting on W or whatever I'm like this team's probably gonna win but this team has a chance for an upset or I don't know if you'd call that one an upset because the lower seat won but. You know, it was just a hell of a game. I mean, I, and I think you can make an argument NC State deserved to win that game, you know, and it was just like, and, and obviously you go back and forth, double overtime. Gino said it himself afterwards. He's like, they had the game won a couple times, and then we had the game won, and we ha- tried to hand it away. Like, that was just, I literally had. <laughs> oh, my. Talk, Rachel, hand it away is an understatement. Damn. Wow. But I mean, th- that's what March is. It's survive and advance, and you, you make one more play. Thank God they have page backers. Um, who completely took over 
And I mean, that's what, that's what, that's what it takes in games like that. You know, you have to have big time players making big time plays. And in that, in that scenario, that was a generational talent making big time plays and, and throwing her team on her back. Before we get into that perfect segue of generational talent, <laughs> I do want to, I don't know if this is true. Um, I'll have to find someone to fact check it for me, but I missed like the opening introductions. Heck, I don't even know if they do it. Um, but a friend of mine told me, so backstory, I'm from St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Paige just went to Hopkins. Our schools, you know, our high schools are rivals. But I guess when they, I don't know if it was on the broadcast or in the arena, when they announced her, they said she was from St. Louis Park, Minnesota. And Minnesotans were getting wild about that one, oh. uh, which is like the most ridiculous thing ever. But hey, shout out to the St. Louis Park Orioles. Um, but generational talent. An interesting aspect, because if you're like me and you don't pay much attention to the tournament until, you know, right around now, you're, you're checking the scores, you're asking your cool friend, Rachel Galligan, hey, what are the players I should pay attention to and things like that. But if you're a WNBA fan, the names that you continuously have been hearing throughout this whole offseason period when it comes to the draft is Ryan Howard, Melissa Smith, uh, Nas, Shakira, Sabali. And I think an interesting aspect is for a, a plebeian, a newbie like me, somebody who sits here and goes, those are the players that we continuously hear about, but yet every single one of those players is already out of the tournament when we're at the final four and a good amount of them were out before the elite eight. So I guess my question for you, Rachel, as I per- grab my cup of wine and prepare to sip it while you respond, um, <laughs> explain that to me. No, cause I like, there's obviously a complicated answer, but you can give us a simple answer. Like, why is it that we're looking at all these teams that have younger talent, right? Players who aren't eligible for the WNBA draft yet. Is it that these players are the generational talent, but they're just younger? They're the, you know, for lack of a better term, the Brianna Stewart in her younger days, the Maya Moore in her younger days. Um, or is there something else that I'm missing? I'm just confused. Ooh. Explain. Talk to me. I I'll, I will try to fumble fart through this as much as I can in terms of what I think it is. And again, that's just my opinion. And I I, genu- I genuinely think it's just as simple as this is kind of how the chips have fallen this year. Um, you know, you look at, let's look at the lottery picks in particular and, and Ryan Howard at Kentucky. Kentucky, you know, it was a down year. You know, it's, it's, you had a coaching change. You had, you know, just some, some things where it just, they were not clicking and, really just fumbled through the SEC conference. And honestly, it was until the, the tournament when it, you, you finally felt like this roster was maybe starting to hit its stride. But, you know, Kentucky is down. Um, but Ryan Howard has, you know, stayed that course and maintained her career there at Kentucky. And, and I think in some ways, you know, her numbers and, and everything that she's capable of doing, yes, she could be doing these things that, Louisville, I'm sure, you know, she could be doing these things at Texas, but you know, there is something to be said about her numbers and, and the, the, the way the offense had to run through her during her time in Kentucky. I mean, you know, the amount of shot attempts and and things like that. I'm not saying that impacts her draft stock at all. Um, If anything, I I think, you know, there's an argument to be made about how opponents (laughs) are scouting for primarily her and how I tried trying to force Kentucky, someone else on Kentucky to, to beat them. So I think that argument kind of goes either way in terms of like, you know, the, the, what the load that's on her shoulders, whether she's at a quote unquote better program right now or not. 
I just think that's kind of how the chips fell. You know, Kentucky is, is a little bit down, and, and now you're in this age of transfer portal, so you've got players on the move left and right, left and right. I can't even keep up with it. No one can. That's a conversation for another day. Um, so I think the landscape of women's college basketball is changing, um, but you still kind of have these powerhouse type of schools. And here's the thing. Like Kentucky goes on, they hit their stride. They win the NC, the the SEC tournament. It was one of the most incredible games I've ever been at. And I mean, that's obviously a massive highlight. And I mean, if her stock didn't needed to be helped anymore, like that certainly, you know, kind of was the cherry on top to just her career and what she did at Kentucky. Now we could go to Baylor. I mean, you know, Nalissa Smith. I mean, both these players are McDonald's All Americans coming out of high school, so they've been pegged as you know, potential superstars and in terms of have that WNBA potential down the road. Now, obviously there's, there's four or five years there in between where you, we've got to see what they do, but you know, Melissa Smith, you know, there's a coaching change this year, Baylor, they got upset. I mean, they completely got upset. They should not have gotten upset that early on. It definitely, um, you know, credit to South Dakota, because, you know, it was just, it was a hell of a game. Um, but, you know, like Baylor, it, the NCAA tournament comes down to a few weeks. You know, you've got to have a luck. You've got to have a little bit of luck. Um, the stars have to align for you. And that's what makes this part of the season so incredible is, you know, it, it, it anything can happen. And we're seeing that more and more on the women's side and, and certain upsets start to happen. And it's going to continue to be that way. I don't think it necessarily means like, you know, and even like Ole Miss, you know, Shakira Austin who I think, you know, could easily be the third or the fourth pick in the draft. Um, you know, that the player that she's evolved into and, and the dominance that she brings playing against SEC level talent night in and night out. Now Ole Miss, you know, if they advance to the elite eight, again, this is no shade towards them. Yeah, that would have been an incredible run for them. That is a program that has, you know, kind of been rebuilt and rejuvenated these last few years. Um, but you know, I'm rambling, so bear with me. But you, you, you look at these teams that are in the Final Four. You know, South Carolina. You can go down the line. Yes, I think what we're seeing right now in this Final Four is you have that kind of soft sophomore junior class where we've got some serious superstars that we're talking about. Obviously, we we have Paige Beckers, we have the Haley Van Liss, we have Haley Jones, you have Aaliyah Boston. P- players that we're not talking about with this draft are kind of this is a huge moment for those types of players to shine. But I don't want to overlook the fact that there are a plethora of first second round draft picks in this, you know, one of them in particular, Emily Angsler at Louisville. She's only been there a year, came there from Syracuse. She's been phenomenal for the Cardinals this year. She's a huge reason as to why they're at the point where they're at. And I think she could go as high as honestly, probably maybe fifth, fourth or fifth. I mean, Angsler is, is she brings things to the floor that, you know, a lot of players, a lot of intangibles, uh, then you can go, you know, look at UConn. Obviously, everyone wants, everybody wants to talk about Paige, Paige, Paige. But, you know, you've got Kristen Williams, you've got um, Avina Westbrook, Olivia nelson Adota. You know, some of those potential maybe late first round, second round. Well, Adota, I, I was texting you this, Rachel, watching her just shank those two free throws <laughs> um, in, the, in that NC State game. I'm like, Rachel, talk about dropping I mean, your uh, draft stock. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, you know, because I mean, at the end of the day, she, she has the length and she has the coaching pedigree that she's coming from. She's going to get drafted. 
you know, and, and she's going to, she's going to get, I, and she's going to have a oh, shot on her the, roster. She's six, five. She's long. Yeah. She's athletic. She's smart. She knows the game, you know? I mean, so I think that she's a later round pick for sure. But, um, and then what, I mean, South Carolina. Okay. Everyone's talking about lead Boston, but you know, we've got destiny Henderson in there. Uh, Victoria Sexton, who is, is not talked about enough for the intangibles. She, she's going to get drafted because she's just that workhorse, that, that blue collar, that leader on the floor. They call her the mama of the team. Um, you know, that's a player that, you know, second, late, I don't know, late second round. I'm not sure. I haven't finished my mock draft. I'm working on it right now. Make sure you check it out. Um, I think Victoria Saxon, you know, she's going to get drafted. So, I mean, you, ha- you have a lot of these players, you know, Stanford, you know, that's, you got you got Lexi Hull, you know, she she's really highly touted for her length, her shooting ability. She's gonna get drafted. So I mean, you do have um, but you know, with Stanford, Cameron Brink, she's she's a sophomore, she's gonna be a huge name talked about in a couple years in terms of draft potential. So, you know, I think that we have superstar names, um, superstar talent that are kind of in that sophomore junior range that are competing in this final four, but um, and, and that feels like it's overshadowing everything else, but I don't think it's really, you know, there's still a lot of first round picks that are competing in this final four. Answer me this. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, actually it's funny. Cause I was going to say, um, I w- tried to interrupt you. Then I was like, all right, let me up. go. <laughs> but, no, you're right. Um, Avina Westbrook is a player who I was real hyped on last year. Uh, and then she declared that she wasn't going into the draft. Um, and it's interesting to see just how my feelings on her have changed over the year because I'm not as hyped anymore. Um, maybe that's my own fault. Maybe I was overhyped before, whatever. Um, but I guess the question I have for you is hearing you talk about all these players and it's it's really cool and it's nice to hear these players on a variety of teams, right? They're not on South Carolina. They're not on UConn, Notre Dame, Louisville, um, you know, Texas A&M or Texas, like these aren't the standard um, teams that you're so used to hearing about in women's college basketball from, you know, the WNBA fans perspective. Maybe I'm off. Maybe I'm judging too much of, of basketball pedigree based on how many players do you have in the WNBA? Maybe that's a wrong analysis. Totally fine with being wrong about that. I guess my question is, is like, if these players were on some of the powerhouses, do you think they would still be like, and maybe this is just a stupid question to even ask. So feel free to call me on it. But like, do you feel like these would still be knowing who is in this draft class right now? If you reshuffle the cards, put a couple of these players on bigger powerhouse teams, would we be talking about them in a different light? I guess. I don't think so. I mean, I guess my, my initial reaction, you know, again, I've spent a ton of time really trying to analyze this class and, it's, it's tough. And I feel for everyone who's gone come out with mock drafts and everyone who's tried to really analyze this scenario, because it's, it's, it's more challenging now than ever, because you've got, you've got the transfer portal. So you've got confusing. You've got shiftment. You've got shiftment. I just made up a word. You've got (laughs) shifting um, of rosters. Then you've got the COVID year. So there's kind of not this, even the list that came out from the league about who opted in there, there's not a whole lot of, clarity on that because there are players who are draft eligible who are not on that list and and you know it's it's like the whole thing is is really really oh i've had multiple people in the league and and agents or whatever contact me and be like are you confused by that because i have you know clients hitting me up saying 
hey, I I want to be in the draft. I thought I declared for the draft. Why aren't I on that list or whatever? And yeah, it's it's just confusing. Well, yeah, but, part sorry. of it is part of it is you know I think everyone's trying to pivot around you know this 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 extra year. It makes things really complicated and confusing. And you know, um, it's and, and then players who seasons just end, they have a certain amount of time. Um, they get a little bit more time before they have to announce that. So you know that's probably why you didn't see a Kunane on there, or you know you, you when that list initially came out. Obviously, players playing in the final four. So people who've exhausted their eligibility may not necessarily feel like they have to like opt in. Um, forgive me if I'm, wrong, my, if I'm wrong. I don't even remember that like being a thing a few years ago. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the, the whole landscape is shifting. Um, but, but back to your question, I don't know. I, I feel, I feel like there's a lot of really talented players. And I think we got to see even ones that, that, that played kind of at that, that mid-major level, um, you know, you look at look at Kirsten Bell at Florida Gulf Coast, one one of the most prolific scoring guards in the country. I mean, just an absolute killer, um, and just carries herself like a pro. I mean, she she has a really good shot going in the first round. I and I personally would be shocked if she didn't. Um, you know, you've got you've got a few other players. You know, look look at look at South Dakota Shervin. Um, you know, she's is she a player that's going to make a roster, you know, long term? But it can, w- would she get drafted and, and potentially be able to have a shot at training camp? Yeah. Um, if she's on, you know, Baylor, what does that look like? You know, we we could debate that all day. I think, I think, I think the most important conversation here is just um, the the growth of the game, the exposure of the game. You know, we are more aware of. Um, such a broad spectrum of players now than we ever have been because of social media, because of the NIL, because of the exposure we're getting on television, because of ESPN plus, you know? And so I think that it, um, back to your, I don't think that would make a big difference. You know, I think the players are in the places where they felt as if they're, you know, they were going to be utilized in the way that and challenged and, and pushed and, and, and grow in the way that they felt would would better their career. So um, I don't I think we'd still be talking about them if if they were at different places. You had a great segue like a minute ago. And then so I I'm just going to hop on that. <laughs> yeah. And then you just kept going. Um, the whatever. It's all, I'll forgive you this time, Rachel. Um <laughs> You you talked about um, I forget now even what your segue was, but I'm just gonna hop right into it. Okay, overseas players, uh, Sika Kone, talk to me about her game. Um, she's tall, she's lanky, she can shoot. What else you got? Yeah. Well, for I mean, no, because she's she's probably the one. I mean, last year we had more overseas players who got drafted in the first second round. Um, we had one who went number two. Yeah. We've had a plethora of WNBA players coming in from overseas at a much younger age, and we have that again this year. And you know I love me some overseas talent, so talk to me. I mean, Sika, Sika Kone, I had an opportunity to watch her a few years ago. I think she was just a, a, a little one, um, and, and I was absolutely shocked. I remember the gym was like 8,000 degrees, and I was like, who is this kid? Um, because I, you know, me doing the international thing, I'm thinking collegiate level, Um you know, this kid can, can really impact someone tremendously at the collegiate stage. She didn't end up going that route, but um, not surprised to hear her name being talked about as, you know, we had this same conversation a year ago. I mean, there, there's been multiple international players who have not gone the collegiate route, like Ra- uh, Raquel Carrera. Um, she was a 
player from Spain that ended up, she ended, she ended up getting drafted last year, um, but didn't come over. Um, so like, yeah, Sika Kone, I mean, she, she's long, um, six, three forward. She has an incredible motor in terms of her athleticism and her strength in the paint, um, her ability to rebound the basketball. She's explosive. Um, she's only 19 years old, you know? So I think that that is, says a lot <laughs> in terms of, you know, an investment for the future. Um, I don't think, you know, it's, it's too early for her to come over and impact a roster right away, but that would have to be an investment for the future. I mean, last time I watched her play, she averaged 20 and 15. Um, so I just, well, cause go ahead. I was just going to say like, I, no, 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 just to, you know, I, I don't want to compare her in a walk, but I feel like I kind of have to. Um, just in the sense of they're both 19 going into the draft. Um, they both tall, yeah. like mind forward style games, if that makes sense. Yeah. Compare and contrast just in the sense of what I've heard from the people that I've spoken to. Sika's more league ready today than a walk was going into the draft. Is that true? Do you agree? Disagree? I think they're a little different just in terms of, of, of body build and the type of athleticism. A walk is super long and lanky. Um, and she, she, she has that potential, like kind of John Quill Jones length and frame. And, and you know what I'm talking about? Like just that rim protection type of length. Kone is not that long. She's got way more strength and power to her. You know, a walk's got to get stronger. Okay. Um, you know, you could see kind of, kind of, you know, the strength and the physicality of the WNBA impacting her. I think that's the biggest difference. Kone, again, she's that, I'm trying to think of a good player to even compare her to. It's, it's going to come to me after we're done, we're done recording. But again, just the type of player that like, you can't keep off the glass. You can't move so strong, so powerful. Um, just, just, you know, just, just forces themselves at the rim, finishing in the paint, just, just power, power game, you know? And I think that she has the skill set to be able to stretch the floor a little bit and, you know, be a high post threat. And they both do, but um, I think that's the biggest, the biggest difference is, is not just the length, but the physicality of the game between the two. Hmm. Hearing you say that makes me think of like a uh, Lauren Jackson meets Sylvia Fowles. Ooh, maybe. What, maybe. I mean, that's, a... that's an interesting one, you know, and I, I do think she has the potential, <clears throat> you know, to go in the first round too, or no, she well, could be the third round. I, I, I don't No, I, I, I would disagree with third round only because I feel like at worst case, she's the type of player that somebody drafts to stash, right? Like sure. there's a lot of WNBA teams going into this draft. That to be blunt, unless a player who they draft just like completely blows up the pool that they're in, they're not making, they don't have space really to sign. They'd be lucky to sign one player, honestly. There's some really tight salary gaps right now. Well, and I, and she's a player who you might be able to stash. Yeah. yeah, And I'm going through this mock draft and I'm thinking in my mind, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of post play, um, which is great. Oh, wait, everybody wants size. Everybody wants length, all that. But one thing I felt like, and this is, this is not a broad, this is not a broad, this doesn't count with like an Alyssa Smith, um, but I do feel like it, it, like the pure five position at times, there was a little bit of a, a finesseness, maybe a little bit of a softness, you know? And so if you're, if you're a GM and you're feeling like, man, we need some power, you know, we need someone that's going to come in here and, and absorb contact and, and really play through that at the level that we, that, that is required, um, you know, Kone could be someone that, 
you know, is really intriguing to someone. So, yeah. I like it. <laughs> well, that's all we got for this episode. If you want to sponsor an episode of the Windsider Show, email us, info at windsider.com. But also, hey, if you are in Seattle, Phoenix, Vegas, or Connecticut, and you want to be a writer for Windsider, cover one of those teams in market, hit us up. Let's chat. If you're in Atlanta, too, um, let's chat. Shoot us an email, info at windsider.com. As always, don't forget, if you're buying tickets for something, make sure to check out www.tickpick.com backslash Windsider because it helps us out and allows us to continue doing this important work. Have a good one.